Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Airy in the Air. Thanks for being here. If you're listening to this, and if this is the first time you've ever listened to my podcast, it's free. Okay? It's free. This one's for you. If you're a returning customer, consider becoming a patron on Patreon. As little as $5 a month. So, today... God, I just had the craziest epiphany. I was listening to my friend Annie. She's been on the show, Dr. Annie Pendigraf, clinical psychologist and bad bitch. I'm still sipping my coffee. And uh, so I'm listening to her, and she's kind of recounting her experience where she listened to this podcast. And I'm just going to remove citations from this one because I'm not being scrutinized anyway she was talking about a baby's first breath and it just it gave me a cascading series of epiphanies and it solidified something I've been thinking about for so long. And so today, I'm going to share that with you. Thanks so much for being here. Here's a little bit of music to warm me up to this kind of... I don't know. What do I say? This kind of energy? This kind of thought? This kind of... monologue? Here we go. fridge for your audio quality desires if you think this show sounds so good it's because i go to as extreme of lengths as unplugging the fridge but if you hear the occasional dog barking or growling or begging me to do something for her then yeah that's just something i don't really edit out (laughs) really the microphone i just like turn it on it's just like a window into my life And sometimes into my soul. I think today it might even get all the way down into my soul.
Sup. This cascading epiphany I had, I could title it something like The Connecting Thread. It is something that connects us all. So, a baby's first breath. There's a Radio Lab episode, which is what Annie listened to. It's about breath, and it kind of talks about how babies take their first breath. I'm going to recount that for you here. So, essentially, when a baby is in the womb, It is very warm, and it is very wet. A baby's lungs are filled with water, and they are useless. They have never taken a breath of air, and the baby doesn't breathe because it gets oxygenated blood from its mother through the umbilical cord that comes up into the baby's heart, And then the baby's little heart pumps it through the baby's body. As a baby is passed through the birthing canal, it is squished. This squishing squeezes the water out of the baby's lungs. As a baby is born, it is wet and it is experiencing being out of the womb for the first time ever. At this point, the umbilical cord is getting stretched and shrank. The biochemical messages are already being sent by mom that that thing is no longer how baby's going to have its needs met. And the baby, being wet and feeling the air for the first time, gets cold. This coldness is physiologically very dangerous for the baby. Babies can get hypothermia and die if they are not swaddled and put on a mother's chest immediately. But this cold is also the stimulus for the baby to take its first breath. It's almost like the environment and the body saying, wake up. It's time. This is the thing that we all went through to be here. This is the trauma of birth. That trauma of we're going to freeze to death and we need to take our first breath This is the thing that we all share. 
no matter if your life was absolutely perfect after that, we all have this trauma of existence, of being here. It was our ticket to enter. It was our ticket to enter. Which, that's such an interesting concept. We all have trauma. We can't escape it. talking about this, the birth trauma, for quite some time. This has been referred to as the fall from grace. The Eden Project. So, once we were in a perfect garden and all of our needs were met in abundance and perfection. We were in the womb. We were one with the mother. We were connected to nature. All of our needs were perfectly met. And then, something happened. In the myth, it's our fault. And we are cast out of this perfect garden into a cold, cruel, sinful world. We have to breathe on our own. We have to feed ourselves. We have to protect ourselves. We have emotions. It's scary. Shit happens. Hmm. We all have this trauma. This fall from grace. We all experienced it in every civilization since humanity has been ruminating on this shared trauma. It's an incredible realization that we all share trauma. It is something that holds us back so much to pretend that we don't. I think we all have experienced in ourselves and other people the downplaying of our own suffering. 
where we pretend that we're okay, that we pretend that we're fine. And we do this consciously, we do this conversationally, and we do it subconsciously. Sometimes we don't think we deserve to be empathized for our suffering. Maybe our suffering's not enough. You know, there's so many starving kids in Africa, so my life is so charmed over here. Maybe we don't want to be a burden to other people. Maybe we just want to pretend that we're okay. Maybe we don't want to be embarrassed about what happened to us. It's humiliating to be molested, to be beat, to be neglected, to be demeaned. If this happened to us, maybe we deserved it. That's too painful of a thought to let in. So often, we just deny the fact that we have trauma. We deny the fact that we have trauma. In this denial, we essentially stick our nose up. Jung, Jung, Carl Jung, a Swiss psychologist who was also a guy who just loved myth, Um, he kind of came up with this archetype thing. All these different archetypes. He's also kind of the godfather of the shadow, the subconscious. And Jung has a great quote that says, If a man's branches are to reach into the heavens, then his roots have to reach down into hell. This poses our being as a tree. This analogy has us as a tree. Our flourishing is our trunk, our branches, our leaves, our flower, our fruit. But that does not exist without soil and roots that go underground into darkness where it is cold and it is dark and it is damp. To pretend that you have no trauma is to pretend that you have no roots. And if you want to be a big tree and if you want to grow, and if you want to have leaves and flowers and fruit, you have to have roots. For a number of reasons, obviously. A tree doesn't grow without roots. Maybe you just want to be a little air plant who sits there on the counter of the bathroom. All you need is the moisture in the air when someone takes a shower. But we all know at what rate those fucking things grow. You don't want to be an air plant, all right? Airy in the air plant. That's not, nope. Nope. Our traumas are part of our roots. Our traumas 
our experiences, our conditioning, our wounds, our memories, our responses, our personality. These are all subterranean things. They have histories that are hard to see, difficult to understand. Yet, the tangle of these things are undeniably powerful in shaping who we are, how we feel, how we see the world. And I must be onto something here because there's just a hummingbird outside the window. Just when do hummingbirds hang out for that long? And there he goes. There is, essentially my point here is, trauma in you is not an if. Trauma in you, in me, in everyone is not an if. It is a what. It is not an if. We all have trauma. If we didn't have trauma, we would not have taken our first breath. We entered this cold, scary world on our own. We left the mother. 18 months later, we were weaned from the tit. 18 years later, we were kicked out of the house. <sighs> Not all of us were raped. Not all of us had our families put in concentration camps. But to say that we are not in a suffering Olympics here, no one gets a gold medal for most suffering, most trauma, biggest trauma. My point here is that the acknowledgement of trauma and its existence in your life is a doorway. It is a doorway into the future. It is a doorway that allows you to actually see your life and yourself. It is a beginning of curiosity. It is something where you've let that reality into your awareness that, hmm, maybe I have roots. What is down there? I want to grow taller. How can I stretch my roots? How can I know them and feed them? There are many pathologies. There are many problems that come with refusing to acknowledge your own traumas. And one of them is likely that you're going to be unlikely to be able to see other people's traumas. I think likely the biggest pathology that will come from that denial of your own traumas is a lifelong repression of your emotions that come with those things. 
recently read a book. I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before. It was recommended to me by my therapist, who is a Jungian. And it's called The Eden Project by James Hollis. The Search for the Magical Other. And it's a Jungian perspective on relationships. And essentially what it poses, its thesis is that the quality of our relationships is directly related to the quality of our relationship to ourselves, to our traumas, to our past. It poses that our most primal relationship was that of our parents, of our family. When we were infants and to seven, eight, nine years old, as we were imprinted with all of the rules, regulations, beliefs about ourselves, about the world around us, it poses that we are bound to search and reenact this primal relationship our parental relationship, and we do that with our intimate relationships. It is inevitable, and we all do it. And the level of awareness that we bring to that is going to radically determine how healthy that search is. Obviously, if we have a subconscious program that we are looking to return to the womb, to the safety of our mother, to the state of our lives where everything was cared for, everything was taken, all of our needs were met effortlessly and we were warm all the time, then we're going to project that onto our partner in myriad ways. And if we start to look at that and start to I don't know, take care of that, keep that in our awareness, and look out for the ways that that's manifesting negatively, looking out for the ways in which that manifests expectations of our partners and resentments and these different things. It's going to radically improve, increase the healthiness, <laughs> radically increase the health of our intimate relationships. I guess I have a few people in mind here who, when I think about the idea of denying the existence of trauma, come to mind. One in particular, very close to me, strong man. Strong man refusing his traumas, denying his traumas while at the same time his trauma's just driving him. Unfortunately, I found myself to be that person as well, which has been painful and liberating. Painful and liberating. Painful for my pride.
but liberating because of this thread that ties us all together. That I couldn't have escaped trauma if I tried, if I had had the most perfect childhood, I still wouldn't have escaped it. Yes, it's been quite a ride for me lately. And I'm coming into much warmer terms with my traumas. Coming into much closer relationship with them. In the last episode, I titled it, These Sweet Wounds. And that is a aspiration I have for how I want to see my wounds, sweet wounds. The wounds that made me, the traumas that made me. They made me breathe. They made me breathe. I wouldn't be here without them. I wouldn't be who I am without them. They have shaped me. They have guided me. And they are my work. It is not something that I try to cut out of myself. With the analogy of me being a tree, these are my burls. These are my knots, my twists, and my turns. They are what make the tree interesting. They are what give me character. It is a beautiful thing. I cannot encourage you more, invite you more. Into humanity, to admit that you have trauma is to be a part of humanity. And I so invite you here. You do not want to be a traumaless alien. Do not pretend. You do not need to pretend. Those who would expect that of you are not your advocates. I'm sorry. Hmm. These sweet wounds. Some naughty burls in there, folks. Some naughty burls in there. Thanks for being here with me today. I can close my eyes and I can nearly feel this thread, the thread that connects us, the thread of trauma, the thread of suffering. We all have it. We've all had it, have it. It's behind us. It's in front of us. It goes into our roots and it goes up and through our trunk and out our branches and extend through our leaves in every direction. Amazing. It's like working out, you know? Working out is like a stressor that we put on our bodies to stimulate this 
thing to stimulate this part of evolution that takes a stressor and turns it into strength. Trauma is the emotional stressor that creates our psyche for better and worse. And it is an incredible gift to yourself and to humanity at large to bring your consciousness into that so that you can guide your psyche again, so that the trauma is not the only thing that's guiding it, so that you have both your roots going down, your traumas growing your roots, and your consciousness guiding the growth of your flowers and your fruit above the ground. What ends up happening is that what we shame stays the same. So if we have shame around our traumas, then our traumas are going to run us because they're the things that are going to be in power. And if we don't shame them, then we can fucking grieve them, finally. We can cry. And we can sob. And we can scream. So we can fucking move on. I love you. Thanks for being here. Hope this is helpful. See you in the next episode.